Good morning. Welcome. We are uh, glad you're here this morning, and I trust you've had a, a profitable week, and uh, some of our weeks go well, some don't, but uh, all is well at the end of the day when you walk in the light of the Lord. I hope you're experiencing that more all the time. Welcome. If you're a first-time guest today, we're glad to have you. If you're a returning guest, I hope in time you'll be part of our family of faith here and uh, grow with us and love the Lord together. We are needy people. We've identified that. We, I keep saying all the time, we're all a mess, and we're here to get further healing from the Lord. And uh, so join us in that healing process. He is good. And we're here to worship the Lord. That's what we've been doing already this morning. We're going to worship even as we uh, pay attention to God's word and we pray as we remember him with the emblems later. Uh, the psalmist in Psalm 84 said, uh, blessed are those who dwell in the temple of God. Uh, they are ever praising him. And that's true of the disciple of Christ. We're always in a, in a relationship and in in an atmosphere of praising the Lord. So when we come together, we're really continuing to do what we're doing all the time. And no matter what's going on in life as followers of Christ, but it's good to do it with a family. It's good to do it in community uh, because we find special encouragement when we're together. And I hope that's what you discovered today, too. Just being together, there is strength when we're with one another. So let's uh, take care of our lives and our hearts even as we worship today. Let's, let's uh, bow in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we're here because we recognize that we need more than what we can conjure up ourselves. We need, we need your truth, we need your foundation, we need your light and life, we need your cleansing, we need your forgiveness, we need, we need all that you are. So we keep discovering more of that, Father, and we thank you for the joy along the way, even today. We thank you for the, the privilege of being gathered in the name of Christ. May you be highly praised in Jesus' name, amen. We're in Matthew chapter 5 today. Open your Bibles. I hope you have them today. An oxymoron you probably learned about in English class. An oxymoron is a contradiction of words that are used together to describe something, but they don't fit, like jumbo shrimp or pretty ugly, you know, or you can make them up like airline food or sensitive guy. Or short sermon, whatever, you know. <laughs> uh, they are common in everyday speech. When, when Jesus taught, he often used oxymoronish language. He would put together uh, ideas that seemed mutually opposites or contrary. Like he would say, if you want to find your life, then you have to lose it. He, he, we know him as the Prince of Peace, from the Old Testament scriptures, that's how he was described, being the Prince of Peace. And yet when he's here, he said, I, I, I come not to bring peace, but division. It causes us to, to wonder what he means by that. What is he saying? Um, the Beatitudes are like that. The Beatitudes are the opening part of Jesus' familiar sermon that man has entitled the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the sermon is found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. We're not going to study the whole Sermon on the Mount, but we're going to pick some bits and pieces of it in the next, uh, the next few Sundays together. It's all about, the Sermon on the Mount is about kingdom living. And uh, before we get into the heart of kingdom living and behaviors, though, he wants us to understand the depth and the meaning of the kingdom of heaven, what's it like. Here's the text, starting with, we'll start with verse 1 of chapter 5. 
Blessed are the poor. I'm sorry, verse 1. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, this is about kingdom living, but before we learn about living in the kingdom, we have to enter the kingdom. So the Beatitudes, or these blessings of God, um, are, are, are describing to us two things. One, about entering the kingdom of God, and the other is about living in the kingdom of God. So the first four have to do with entering the kingdom of God. The first one is, is well, before we get into that, let me say these four things about the Beatitudes. First of all, each is a B-attitude. You've learned that, many of you, in your previous study. In other words, each, each Beatitude, each blessing is about how we are as persons in the kingdom, how we live, how we perceive the world, how we understand the world, how our nature is as, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, second, each has a timeless promise of reward associated with them. If we live this way, we gain heaven's applause because to be blessed is to have the approval of God, the approval of heaven. Third, each has a countercultural element to it because by living in, in, in these terms, you may not welcome the world's applause at all. The world may not get you. You may be distanced by the world. But uh, that doesn't matter. Eternity does and will. And fourth, each is to be exhibited by all disciples. This is for everybody. This isn't for, there's no, no such thing as an elite group of Christians. Certain, certain ones that are above everybody else. This is for, for every one of us. They're for me, for you, everybody who is a follower of Jesus Christ. So here we go. These, I hope there are a couple of aha things that will help us uh, better uh, be engaged as citizens of the kingdom. So here's the first four about, that, are, that are about entering the kingdom of God. Number one, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, some in our, in our congregation here have known what it is to live in poverty in the past. Some in our congregation today are living at a, at a level of poverty and as, as terrible as that position is, it is, in, it is in a worse position when a person lives spiritually impoverished. That's what this beatitude is about. It's about recognizing that I am empty, that I am spiritually bankrupt, that there's nothing about me that can, that can make me the person God wants me to be. There is no future in my life that I, have, I am in a troubled position because of my place with my creator, and I'm at the mercy of God. Luther said hundreds of years ago, God created out of nothing. Therefore, man is nothing. God, until man is nothing, God can make nothing out of him. 
So we have to get to the place where we know that I am helpless. I am in a, I'm in a position and that I'm the worst I could be. It's one of the most freeing moments in our lives when we identify our spiritual bankruptcy and know there is, there is something that can be done about it. Somebody will say to you maybe at times, Christianity is just a crutch. Well, sure it is. And it's my walker and my wheelchair as well. I need, I need Jesus Christ to be the one that carries me in life, that does for me what I cannot do for myself. If it were not for Jesus, my marriage would not be as good as it is today. If it weren't for Jesus, I would not have been as good a parent. If it, and, and even with that, I was not very good. But without him, I can't imagine what shape my kids would be in today. Uh, without him, I just can't do life. Uh, can I exist? Can I go to my job? Can I have work? Can I be successful by the world's definition? Well, sure I can. But that's, God has something so much more for us than that. Those who recognize spiritual poverty are on their way to, to understanding the kingdom of God at entrance. Second, he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, maybe you've heard that at a funeral before, but by that usage, it's being used out of context because Jesus is not talking about that kind of mourning, although he is a great comforter when we mourn in all kinds of conditions of life. This is about mourning over our spiritual condition. This is when we start to get and understand that my sin is more serious than I ever thought. My, my, my sins are rebellion. My desire to do life my own way is an affront to God. It's a slap in his face. I am a rebel. And without my surrendering, I am continuing to live in that rebellious spirit. When I come to, when, I, when I'm awake, I, 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 I realize how bad off I really have been without him. Blessed are those who mourn. God's going to wipe your tears away when you realize how devastatingly an uh, uh, opposition to God we've been living. Third, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, not weak. When we see meek, we think of a mouse. We think of milk toast. Uh, that's not what this is. You're not, this person is not courage deficient here. This is the picture. The word picture is a bridled horse, a horse of great strength, and that horse has to be broken. And the horse is brought under control of its trainer. That's what this picture is about. It's about great strength, but it is channeled properly. It's brought under court surrender. Elton Simmons is a sheriff's deputy in Los Angeles County. He writes traffic tickets. There's, no wor- There's nothing worse than that feeling, is there? You look in the rearview mirror, and the, the red lights, and the sweat, and the heartbeat. I mean, people have told me about that. And I've... I've uh, and... You know, Elton Simmons has written more than 25,000 traffic tickets. Now, the unusual thing about Elton Simmons is he has never had a complaint registered against him. That's unheard of, as I understand it, in the, in the, uh, uh, the, the, the world of civil servants. Uh, so, so unique is that that CBS picked up on it and did a news report on Elton Simmons. A cop who's never had a complaint. There's nothing in his file. 
And when they interviewed him, he said, you know, I just, I just try to relate to them immediately. I, I tell them, you know, I'm not way up here and you're down there. I'm with you. I'm just trying to do my job, help people be safe. And I don't think poorly of you. I'm not looking down on you. And it's amazing how he wins people over. One guy said, you know what it is? It's his smile. You just can't be mad at this guy. And, uh, you know, those are the kinds of people. That's, in fact, that's what Jesus did for us. You know, Jesus came among us. And although he was far greater than us, he became one of us. And he walked in our shoes and he looked like us and he lived our lives. Now, the meek, when you bring this kind of strength, whatever your position is, you bring that under control and used by the Lord it's no telling what he will do. But to come to Christ, that's what has to happen. We have to identify that this one came for me, and I have to be broken in my spirit. And I have to take this self-will, this self-control, this self-rule, and I have, to, I have to be broken by the Spirit of God and come under his control. That's what, that's what this is all about. And the promise is you inherit the earth. Well, what's that mean? I'm not sure. I think it means that... We finally get to understand the world and the disparity that exists between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of this world. We're not surprised at injustice. We're not surprised at cruelty. We're not surprised at how man behaves. We get it. We understand it because our worldview is an eternal worldview, and we understand why the kingdom of this world doesn't work. That's what it means to inherit the earth. We get it, and it doesn't undo us. Because we know we're part of a kingdom that is greater than this one. Number four, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled or, or satisfied. And so it's, 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 it's about coming to this place where when you hear the good news, it awakens something in you. That's why I love to be around new believers. They, it's like they can't get enough. When you, when you come to the gospel and when you start understanding the Bible, it's like you want more. You want to understand more of what this is all about. Something is awakened. I never had a favorite gas station till this year. And I was on my way to Illinois, and I, a pilot is my favorite gas station now. I went in. I got filled up. I went in to get a cup of coffee. And while I'm there, there is this, this molecular mix drifting into the lining of my nostrils, a combination of cinnamon and cream cheese and yeast. And I thought, that smells like Cinnabon. Pilot has Cinnabon. Now, I was not at all desirous. I was innocent as can be getting that gas and getting the coffee. And I did my best to walk by that counter, and it wasn't meant to be. And... I mean, they grabbed me. Now, what happened there? I got a whiff, and the whiff captured me. When Paul wrote to the believers at Corinth, he said that we're the aroma of Christ, that there is something about us that is pleasing, that is winsome, that draws people. Does that describe your life? Does it describe my life? Am I the kind of person that people really want to hang around? Is there something about us that should cause the world to say, man, I, I, I'd like to, why are you like that? Why are you never rattled? 
How is it that you're getting through this? How do you keep smiling? There's something about countenance and, 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 and presence. That's why, that's why little kids wanted to sit on Jesus' lap. That's why the people that were so broken and bruised from life didn't flee from him. There was something about him that drew people in. Let's live that way. Let's learn to live from within. That comes from within. That comes from a new nature that God gives us, that we become increasingly winsome in the world around us. I trust we can honor God that way. This creates a hunger and a thirst, a, a, a desire to understand more and, and be better. You know? you know, a few years ago, um, uh, Florida went through a drought. Okeechobee, uh, it, it got its lowest level ever. And uh, it's, Okeechobee is the second largest lake in the United States. And so it, its level got so low that these artifacts started being coming to the, the, were able to be seen artifacts that date back 500 years. Uh, jewelry, and uh, there was a boat, a 1904 trawler that had uh, been, been lost in 1928. All kinds of things, treasures came to the surface, so to speak. You know, that's what happens even when we're going through difficulties. And there's a, that God will use the drought times, the famine times of our lives to reveal a greater treasure of who he is. And this hunger for him, for something more, it captivates us. And we want more and more. So, so this is all about entering the kingdom, these first four. There's got to be this awareness that I'm, I'm bankrupt spiritually. I mourn over, over my lost position before God. Uh, I, 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 come, I am broken by him. And then this hunger and thirst develops. I've got to have him. All right? Now, this is living in the kingdom, the rest of the, of the, of the uh, Beatitudes. Number five, blessed are the merciful. They'll receive mercy. You know, mercy is simply a willingness to withhold a deserved penalty. You know, we know what we deserve. I deserve hell just like you do. Uh, do you have enemies in your life? Do you have people who have gossiped against you, who have falsely charged you? Do you pray God's mercy on their lives or God's judgment on their lives? Well, you will really pray about it, but you wait for it and watch for it. You know, that you have clues along the way. You know, well, I'll, 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 I forgive the guy, but I sure don't want to see his ugly face again. Well, I doubt much forgiveness has played out in your life and heart. There are clues along the way that keep revealing that, that we're not as merciful as we are called to be. Listen, friends, brothers, sisters, if, to the, the degree to which we have understood God's mercy, we are willing to extend it. And, and, and we're going to talk in a few weeks about loving your enemies. What does that mean? How, how contrary to our, to our natural fleshliness is that? That's why unless the Spirit of God changes our hearts, we're not going to know how to love our enemies. He changes us from the inside out. James 2.13 says, Judgment will be merciless to those who do not show, do not show mercy. And so we keep learning this. Number six, oh, he says, you will receive mercy according to the mercy you've shown. Number six, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That talks about, obviously, the inside out. 
And the sad thing about being a Christian, a follower of Christ, is we tend to focus too much on the externals. If I am, if I am good outside, then, then I can, I can, that, that's all that's necessary. And nothing could be further from the truth. We know that. We can do things correctly on the outside, but if the inside, that, that this is where Jesus took the Pharisees to task, right? He said, on the outside, you've got together, but you're, you're like whitewashed tombs. On the inside, you're like dead men. You only look clean on the outside. He said, what you do is you focus on cleaning the bowl on the outside, and you refuse to clean the inside. It's a ridiculous picture, isn't it? Imagine living that way in your own house doing your dishes. I, I extended family on Lake Erie a couple years ago, and my son-in-law went to the end of the pier to fish. And he found himself next to this little boy about eight or nine years old. And they were baiting and rebaiting and fishing all day. And Anthony looked down and this little boy got in his, his sack and pulled out a sandwich and started eating it. And Anthony said, aren't you going to wash your hands? And the kid looked up and said, I'm a fisherman. <laughs> like, I'm exempt. <laughs> you know? That's how the Pharisees were. They, 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 their self-evaluation, we're, we're exempt. I was going to look at the religion that we display. None of us are exempt from bypassing the heart, friends. That's what God cares. If the heart is right, then it spills over into the cleanliness of life. And it's a lot harder thing to keep clean. But thanks, thanks be to God, that cleansing of his blood continues to take place. It continues to be effectual in our lives after we are born again in him in the waters of baptism. The blood is applied that day, and yet it continues to be available as we continue to mess up and do, do, and do the things we don't, we don't want to be doing. Number seven, blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called sons of God or children of God or sons and daughters of God, your translation may say. Not peacekeepers. We're not about appeasing people, but this is saying we are people who pursue peace at all levels of life. We pursue peace in relationships with the world, with unbelievers, with believers, with people far different from us. We're always pursuing peace. That doesn't mean we agree with them doesn't mean we align with them. doesn't mean we sacrifice our truth and our understanding of the scripture. It just means we want to go as far as we can to pursue peace. This is, a, this is our character. This is a part of character. Barnabas in Acts was called a son of encouragement. He was a great encourager. He's known that way. That was his character. Judas was called a son of perdition or a son of judgment because judgment and doom was on him. That expresses his character and what he's like as a person. And his betrayal brought judgment upon the Son of God. You know, we're, peace, we're, we're, we're most like Christ when we pursue peace because that's what God ultimately did with us. He came to pursue peace. Number eight, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This word persecution means harassed. Now, there are plenty of people in the world today who are being physically persecuted for being Christian. The news never reports really the degree of persecution that is going on in the world today. It's heinous what's happening to believers. But you know, even in our society and culture, you can experience persecution. You can experience harassment by your connection with Jesus Christ. Some of you have experienced it. If you're passed over for a promotion because of your standard of faith, that's a kind of persecution. If, if you are scorned by a university professor because of your stand on Christ, uh, that is a harassment. If a high school teacher 
or, or, or a boss mocks at your ethics or your morals are scoffed at by friends. That is a kind of harassment. You follow Jesus. He is saying here, you're going to get some flack. Just know that's going to happen. Jesus obviously did not have political speech writers. <laughs> he did not have uh, any sales training. They would have said, accentuate the positive. Why don't we keep this persecution part out of this? No, he didn't. He included it. You are going to be thrown under the bus if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And verses 11 and 12 amplify it. He said, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Two qualifications there. They speak against you falsely. Now, if somebody says something you don't like about you, like they say, you're a nasty person, and it's true, that's not persecution. That is just an accurate uh, explanation of who you are, evaluation of who you are. If they say something falsely against you because of your faith in Christ, because of your adherence to Jesus Christ, then that is harassment and persecution. Verse 12 says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven. Your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And this is the capstone of them all. And you notice when Jesus gets to verse 11 and 12, he changes from third person to second person. He moves from they to you. It becomes more personal, I think, at this level. You can expect this, and no one is exempt. There's a, there's a great reward, he says, and he says, you're like the prophets. The prophets were the godliest of their day. And when you live and you're harassed by people because of your faith, because of your stubbornness to budge, you align yourselves with the prophets of God. Now, don't be obnoxious about your faith. I keep saying that. Because, because it's so true among Christians. It's people that are just down on the world and mock the world and, and, and slam the world. Do you think that's going to win anybody over? It's not going to win anybody to Christ by our judgment and con condemning attitudes, our spirits. And, and, and we're, we're to embrace the world, not the world's behavior, but love the world to Jesus Christ. By our kindness, by our gentleness, by our, by our mercy, by, by, by our winsomeness. That's how we're called, called to live. But even in that, we're going to be misunderstood. You know, uh, look, we live in a world where people are looking in all the wrong places. They're looking for, at all the wrong places to try to make life work. That was your story, my story sometime, right? You know, they say in New York City, there are millions of pets, cats and dogs, and uh, not much territory to do anything with them when they die. So the city of New York began charging 50 bucks to come get your dead pet and take it away. We won't try to figure out what take it away means, but they would take care of your dead pet. One rather resourceful lady put an ad in the New York Times that she would do it for 25 bucks. And so she would go to a Salvation Army store and buy a little suitcase for about two bucks and go to the home and have something to put the dead cat or dog in. And then she'd ride the subway, known to be filled with thieves. And she'd set the suitcase down and look away, and invariably it'd get taken away. <laughs> Imagine the surprise. He would have said, dog gone. Uh, 
you know, uh, people are grabbing all kinds of things, thinking this is it, this is, this, is, this is my goal, this is where I want to put it. To me, disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. Friends, the gospel is a gem. Our Lord is our treasure. And in him, we have life. He is our elder brother who came here. And really, you know, his story is, do you remember Joseph in the Old Testament? And here, here's Joseph. He's treated wrongly by his brothers. He is sold into slavery. For all practical purposes, he's as good as dead to them. He's taken down to Egypt where he is unjustly charged. He's thrown in a prison. There's a little hope of getting out, but he's forgotten in prison. But because of his righteous life, what happens to him? He ascends. He's put in a position right next to Pharaoh, king of Egypt. In time, those brothers who sold him out experience famine and drought. And they come to Egypt looking for food. When they get there, Joseph recognizes his brothers. But they don't recognize Joseph. He looks like an Egyptian. They have no clue who he is. Joseph even has them for dinner. They're all surprised at such an invitation. And then when he can bear it no more, he reveals his identity. And they are aghast. And just when they think they're going to feel the cold steel of a sword across their necks for the way they treated him. Instead, they feel the hot tears of their brother, Joseph, falling down on them. He said to them, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. Friends, that's Jesus Christ to us. He's our elder brother who is treated unfairly, treated unjustly, sold out because of our rebellion. And then one day, he was revealed to us. And though we deserve a hot sword of execution upon us, instead, his hot tears were shed for us on Calvary. And we were welcomed home to him. What a Savior. And what a Lord. How can anybody say no to him? This is the kingdom of God. We are kingdom people. Let's learn to live well in it. If you are not a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, today even, you can be baptized into Jesus Christ and resurrected to new life. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this one who came to rescue us. And nothing has been the same. And so I pray out of this truth, Father, that you will reign in us. And continue to change us from the inside out because we do want to see God. Even today, do your work. In Jesus' name, amen.